Here we go. At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all, it's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't like this. Oh, anyway. All right, you guys ready to do something? Oh, oh, I only heard Miss Irene. Are you ready to do something? Woo! All right, and I'm not just saying sitting in your pew. I'm saying doing way more than that. We are starting. Welcome, everybody, by the way. I'm so glad you're here. Um, it is Sunday. We are in church. We have the freedom to be in the house of the Lord. Woo! Amen. Amen. And I'm also very excited because this kicks off our first week of our missions convention, and I'm always so excited about that. Um, I think that video was perfect for today because this is our time to realize that we were not put just here on this earth for ourselves. We are here for a purpose, and God is telling us that we need to get up out of our seats, and we're gonna do that in a moment, right, David? We're gonna get up out of our seats, and we're gonna praise, and we're gonna worship, and we're gonna give God all the honor and all the glory that he deserves, right? But the other purpose that we're here for is to share his good news with everyone that we come in contact with, amen? Amen. Our verse that goes with, um, the missions convention this year is sent. John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So that is our challenge. You know, maybe we can't go everywhere all over the world. Maybe you can, maybe God will call you to do that. I don't know what God has for you. But while we're here, we can most certainly talk to our neighbors. We can most certainly talk to anybody that God has put in our path, right? So we need to really get in our heart the purpose that God has us here for. Thank you so much for being with us here today. I can't wait to talk with you later. And guys, are you excited? Okay, one more time. Are you excited? Woo! Okay. 
So we're going to pray and open up, and then we're going to worship. We're so glad that David is here to lead us today. We're excited about that. Thank you guys for doing something and using your gifts for the Lord. We appreciate you. We love you all. All right, dear Lord, we just thank you. Let us lift our hands up to him this morning and just give him praise because he is worthy of it all. Thank you, Lord, so much for this day, this new day that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. For you are so precious and so wonderful and so great. You have given us breath in our body. So this is a new day that we have to honor you with all that we have, Lord Jesus. So as we go into this time of praise and worship, help us not just to be like, oh, it's another day. Oh, no, no, no. Lord God, it is. this is the day that you have made. And we are going to rejoice and be glad in it. So we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your peace, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that you love us enough that you have called us to be more than what we think. Lord God, you have called us to a greater purpose. We love you. We praise you. And just thank you for this day. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said, amen. Well, let's take a little journey um, on our um, faith promise. Everybody say this. Calling all faith promises kingdom builders. Good. We started off today with this here, Matthew's West song, Do Something. I'm going to challenge each one of you. First, you need to do your tithe. That's the first thing of obedience in God, your first fruits. Give it to God. Be faithful in your 10% of your growth. First, God, be, fear God more than you fear anybody else. Amen? But second, though, is you can't forget about the call of missions. And we as a church, we as individuals need to do something. We have a short period of life to, to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to try to, I'm going to give you an explanation of what happens in missions. And you see all our missionaries back there. Well, we have more missionaries that haven't got the wall yet. And so um, I've been telling people a number and I've been wrong. <laughs> we have more than that. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. I feel, I heard a few of those claps. You could clap a little louder. This is, this is awesome. Let's take a journey real quick here. And for those that have been down the journey before, um, bear witness for this is good for other people as well. We have only two choices. You can go as a missionary, and that is so important. And I pray that God would call you to a mission field, whether it's across your street or across the seas. Wherever that is, a mission is a mission. And missionaries can go any place with the message of God. Or you can send others that have been called to do the work of building the kingdom and you can do this every month you can trust God Paul wrote this about the Macedonian church I love this I just got done studying this in the depths of what in a very in a in deeper message it says this for I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability they gave of their own accord they were going through really tough times the Macedonians really poverty struggles and yet they desired to do something for God. It was like that widow that gave all she had, and the Lord saw her. And, and I want you to understand, God sees your heart. Someone say, God sees your heart. I think that's so beautiful. Now, commitment given is simply this. It's according to your ability. You have a budget, and, you say, and at the end of the budget, you have so much left, you say, okay, I'm going to give that. That's, that's budget given. But faith given. 
when you have a when you're thinking with the kingdom building and you're you're talking about faith it's about beyond your ability what you're doing you're asking God God this is what I want to do for your kingdom and I'm going to believe you that Lord this is what I'm going to do every month and I'm going to believe you to do it see what do you believe in God for what dream do you have what do you believe in God for that maybe you talk about but you're not there what do you dream dream touch your neighbor and say dream big good just tell them, dream big and don't give me your age well you know I'm this yeah Moses was 80 before he started doing some really good work okay let's move on budget given is you can give regularly you can include missions in your monthly budget as a priority item you can give what you are truly able to afford and that and that's good but that's, that doesn't bring God's factor into it. But if you're going to be a kingdom builder, if you're going to say faith promise, it's a sacred act. It's a spiritual agreement between you and God to give monthly during the year. It's a total, watch this, it's a total reliance upon God for divine provision. Someone say divine provision. So when you, see, when you see your finances or see anything through your natural eye, you miss what God can do. You got to get God's perspective. Inside your bulletin is a faith promise card. I want you to take that card out and just keep it near your side. Who should make a faith promise? Every family should make a faith promise. I believe every child should make a faith promise. I, I, I had my kids doing faith promises as soon as they, they could. They, they needed to learn. Now what they do my philosophy when I was raising kids is I teach them, I teach them, I teach them, and then they have to learn on their own as they get to that point. But they were, they were, and they were taught, and I believe teach a child. People complain about children, but they don't want to teach them. You teach a child, and that's important. So I believe every family, every child, if you have a pet, teach that pet the faith, the, the, the budget. My dog prays. How many have seen my dog pray? Anybody? Yeah, look at her hand. Yeah, yeah, one thing I wish I didn't teach him, though, so loud. Pentecostal, you know. Not a healer dog, but, you know, the shepherd, shepherd uh, um, lab dog, but really loud. Praise, praise, he sings. He's going on the road pretty soon. <laughs> if you are not called to go, you are called to send others. Amen? If you have your faith, if, if your promise really is made in faith, watch this. If it's an amount that you can afford to give, it doesn't require faith. If it's an amount you have promised to give isn't a challenge to you, it may not stretch your faith. I have seen God do so many things in this area. I trusted him. And that's where real great testimonies come up. Why must I fill out a faith promise card? Well, missionaries cannot leave the field until their budget is complete. And missionary leadership will not know how much the church can commit to support missionaries until we know what we total. And then even when that is, we take a step of faith to trust God. It goes on both sides of the fence. If I made a faith promise last year, must I make a new one? Yes. Hey, why don't you all can say yes already? Should I make a new one? Yes. Dude, you did good. So good. Because each faith promise is made for one year. How you, you guys are so good. Come on up here, Janine. <laughs> um, here's the next one. Say it. Yes. yes, thank you. Because you will want to increase your giving for the next year. Always test the Lord. Say, hey, God, I'm going to believe for you. I'm going to believe that. 
I'm going to increase it this year. And because we want to stop fresh today, one year, a one year faith promise, kingdom builders to make a difference for the kingdom of God, to hold the ropes as others have been called to go to places all around the world. It's a gift that God gives us an ability, a gift to be and to do. How do I give my faith promise? Most people can give it on Mission Sunday. That's the first Sunday of the month. Some will give it as they receive their salary. Others must believe and wait until God provides. But when you give it, make sure you put on their missions. Very important so that it can go to the right category. Let me ask you a few questions. I love questions. Do you value the lost? How many value the lost? Raise your hand. You value the lost. Do you want to be counted as a kingdom builder? How much should a faith promise be? It's really simple. Lord, how much should my faith promise be? Well, if God gave his son and Jesus gave his life for the lost souls, shouldn't we give more to reach the lost than we spend on hobbies? Maybe our cable, internet, eating out. And here's a big one, dog food and cat food. Because how many know that adds up? There are some people in this congregation has five dogs. I pray for them every day. <laughs> Calvary demands our best, not our leftovers. Never give God our leftovers. Give him your best and watch what he'll do in you and through you. So how much should a faith promise be? Well, it's simple. Pray. Ask God. He'll tell you exactly what you need to do. Active faith will unlock the resources needed to complete your commitment. I love 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that you may always have enough of everything and may provide in abundance for every good work. God over and over and over tells us he will take care of us. You do your best, God will do the rest. Right now there's... 49 missionaries that we support, one orphanage in India, two teen challenges in New York and New Jersey, one deaf ministry in New Jersey, one ministry to the poor in Israel, one crisis pregnancy center right at home. Someone say, praise the Lord. That's a total of 55 missionaries and ministries. And so that's a monthly budget near 1,925 and yearly total $23,110. Give God some praise for your giving while you're living. You made a difference, and I believe it with all my heart. Listen to me, because I believe in this, and I believe in this for so many years, that when you do God's work, that's when God works in you and through you. And when you get to heaven, I believe you will get to see everything you have done while you are on earth, because God sees everything. He sees your heart. He sees your actions. And listen, when it comes to souls, this is the number one thing that God loves. You can't get anything more than what God loves. He loves you, and you're a soul. If you're, you know Jesus, your Savior, there's still plenty of people who don't. That's why now's the day. We must work while it is day, amen, because night is coming. And when my night comes, I want to make sure that more is done than said, amen? So I'm giving you the opportunity. So this is where I like to do every year. Of course, we raise it, we try to raise it a little higher, and I recognize where we are, but I recognize what God is doing. Can we just give God praise one more time? Because he's worthy. In 2024, we just want, we're going to raise it to 1,938. That's a total of 23,256. And so 
try to add at least four more, four more missionaries, two to four more missionaries, and let's believe God that God can do it. We had a goal of last year, and we exceeded the goal last year. How many can believe that we can do it this year too? If you do your best, I promise if you do your best and you listen to what God says, all I ask you is one thing. You pray. You ask God, God, now I'm not talking about tithing, okay? Tithing is, if you don't, if you don't tithe, I want you to tithe your, that's the first, most important. Mission is, you got to learn to tithe first. Give God his first fruits. And then I guarantee you, he'll, he'll speak to your heart and you get kingdom minded. We need to be kingdom builders. Amen? So you have that faith promise card in there. I want you to pray. I want you to take it with you. If you, ha if you know and God has already spoken in your heart what you're going to do today while we take up the offering, you can put it in the offering. If you, got, you haven't know what you're going to do just yet, then you, you bring it next week. You, you make sure you get it to us. And uh, we're going to put it into, and we're going to believe God that we're going to reach our goal and we'll do more this year than we did last year. Amen. Could you imagine, could you imagine, just bear with me for a moment. Could you imagine if someone in your family wasn't saved, your child, son, daughter, maybe your parents, maybe your grandparents, maybe a dear friend, maybe a family member, and they come to the Lord because someone took of their time and took of their giftings and took of their finances to make a difference how would that change you because someone else cared i ask you to care for someone's son and daughter someone's father mother grandparents friends family i ask you to care about missions because missions is why the church exists. He came to save and seek that which was lost. I was lost. But he saved me. And now you have this fanatical pastor. <laughs> but God is good. And he's great. So let's pray and ask God to speak to your heart so that we can be obedient for his kingdom work. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you that you hear us when we pray. Forgive us, Lord, when we focus so much on our own self because we recognize that we only have one life to live and it's about you. And I ask, Lord, that you help us to increase our borders. God, I pray that you continue to help us do more to reach the lost. Lord, at any cost. Lord, will you help us, give us discernment, give us insight, and Lord, give us obedient hearts to listen what your Holy Spirit desires to do as, Lord, we live and we give to make a difference in your kingdom and the lives of people. So, Father, when that time comes and life is over, we have sowed so many seed that it brings a harvest to your kingdom, and we have lived life well because we have lived before you well. Now, God, I pray, speak to each person as, Lord, we desire to do more for your kingdom, to be a kingdom builder. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody with a loud voice said, Hey, Amen. good morning, everyone. Um, you got a chance to see my beautiful family. They couldn't join today, but they send their regards and greetings. And we're just so grateful 
that, you know, we're here to share, but also when God calls a couple, you know, before we were called to the mission field, God put us such a great burden for the loss to spend not just what was in our pockets financially, but also to spend our lives individually. So when we got married, it was just something that we were able to do together. Um, so next slide, you, we want to introduce you to the family again. I have four kiddos, right? Three girls. Oh, clicker, right? I need a clicker. Here we go. Thank you, Pastor. Um, I think that's it, right? There we go. All right, I got four kiddos, three girls, one boy. The boy is the youngest. It wasn't like we kept trying to get the boy. It just worked out in that way, right? Um, so we have Samuel, which is over to your far right. He's nine. Next to Samuel is Alexia. She's 11. And then in the middle with the black dress, that's my daughter, Julia. Man, I love her. We call her Juju for short. Uh, she's 15. I love all my kids, by the way. And then we have, I don't like, wait a minute. What about the other kids? When well, they got to earn that? I'm joking. I'm joking. And then uh, next to her is my oldest, Eliana. She's 16, just about to turn 17. And because we're back stateside, right now she's going through all her, like, driver ed courses. We lived in Indonesia for a while, um, nine years. But, you know, when we go to the field, we're there for four years straight, and then we come back home for a year. So now we're back home. So we're trying to make her get a permit and everything and trying to help that, hope that she gets a license before we go back out to Indonesia. And then my lovely wife, I won't share her age because I want to go home and be welcomed. But um, we've been married now for 20 years and just so grateful that we're able to do this together. So Indonesia. Indonesia is in Southeast Asia. L let me ask. How many of you even know or know anyone from Indonesia? You know where Indonesia is located? Okay. Good. We have one. Mostly, not a lot of people do. So Indonesia, it's um, northwest of Australia. Everyone knows Australia. South of the Philippines. It is the fourth most populated country in the world. Uh, it has over 300 dialects or languages. There is one main language. Trust me, I can't speak all the dialects. I can speak, of course, the main language, which is Indonesian. And some cool facts about Indonesia. It is known as the Ring of Fire. Why do you think it's known as the Ring of Fire? Come on now. You're raising He's so polite. Come on. Yes, that's right. Volcanoes, and when volcanoes erupt, you know what that means? The earth shakes. Now, just like you people, just like all of us, growing up in the Northeast, I was born in Queens, lived in Jersey, right? Never experienced an earthquake in my life. The first time, it freaked me out. Then after a while, you're like, that's ah, Monday, right? Uh, next slide. I want to call your attention to the middle, the box right in the middle. It says population unreached. 196 million people. That is about 70% of the total population are not reached. Out of that number, about 140 million are not even engaged. What does that mean? Maybe they heard the name of Jesus. Maybe, you know, remember, it's a very Muslim nation. They heard Isa. Isa is a name for Jesus in the Muslim Quran. Maybe they heard about, oh, I heard about Jesus. Maybe he was a teacher, a healer, but they know nothing about the gospel. And so it just shows you how 
the mission continues and how important it is for families and individuals like us, but also individuals like you to continue to give to missions through your faith promises. So because of that, uh, we, we're so grateful. We started churches, and these churches, in English, when you translate, is called faith fellowship. Does anyone speak Indonesian here? Okay. Well, because the name, if I put the name in Indonesia, it would make no sense. It's persahabatan iman, right? It just means faith fellowship. Next slide. All right. I put this up here on purpose because these are the things we teach every new believer. Indonesia doesn't really have a Christian Judea background. So a lot of people we're reaching come from either uh, a Muslim faith, a Hindu faith, or animist. Animist just, it's a way of saying that they worship nature, sun and moon, the animals, and that's like their spiritual gods, right? And so we have all these things. But if you look under core values to your far right, the last one, sorry, came out wrong. Should have been number five. We teach all our people suffer. You're going to suffer and suffering for Christ. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you heard a message on suffering for Jesus? Can you raise your hand? Not too many hands. I guarantee if right here in New Jersey we threw some type of ministry conference saying, we're going to have a conference to teach you about how to suffer good for Jesus, I guarantee not many people are going to sign up. And actually, if we saw some people sign up, we're like, I'm praying for you, brother. I don't know, man. I don't know about suffering. But in reality, in, this is a doctrine in the New Testament. It's actually a pretty important doctrine. What we learned in Indonesia, when people come to faith in Christ and they reject their religion of their family or their community, they do suffer. It's a real, they'll lose their jobs, they'll be excommunicated, sometimes people are beaten up physically. I mean, it, the list can go on, not all the time, but it happens a lot more than what you think, and we teach them, it's okay, because at, not, not, it's not okay you're getting the suffering part of it, but just know that God is going to walk it out with you. Yeah. Next slide. So we have worship. You see here pictures of worship at a crusade, uh, which I'm so grateful that God has opened a door for our family and ministry to do. But also, if you see that far right picture, we are in like this Bible study house church. Literally, the floor is made of like one inch like wood paneling. I mean, it is like village in so many ways. And if you see way in the back, there's a girl on the guitar. Um, she came to intern with our family for about a year. And so I want to let you know that if you want to experience missions and feel like you have a call to missions, come talk to us. We are more than happy to engage in those conversations. You know, and I love what Pastor said, said this morning, and I've been saying this for a long time. Missions, yes, it's across the street, but also it's across the ocean in countries like Indonesia. Next slide. Baptism. See that lady getting baptized? Her name is Ibu Get. So Ibu Get came from a um, high caste Hindu system or religion. Um, in that religion, there is different levels. You're low caste or middle or high. She was, you know, out of one through five, she was number five. And I'll just say, during COVID, 
We were going out because everything was locked down. People weren't working. And we saw that, and I knew this was an opportunity to go out and bring these food care packages and engage people in conversation. And let me tell you, from those type of outreaches, we have been able to start several churches. Well, this lady, when she heard the gospel message, and we will come week in and week out, she realized, wow, it's not about my karma. It's not about the good I do or I don't do. It has to be only through the goodness of the perfect God. And so she came to faith. And when she came to faith, right, her community said, all right, you want to be a Christian? We're fine. Oh, Jesus is one of the gods among the gods in the Hindu religion, quote unquote. And so they're like, we're okay with that. You know, we don't like it, but, you know, you do you. All right. Because now she's 55 in her mid-50s. Then, as she's growing in faith, we're like, now it's time to go all in and get water baptized. When she decided to get water baptized, her family and community said, if you do this, you're going to lose all claim to the family inheritance. Now, you may not realize how important that is. Because in America, we have, you know, Social Security, we have unemployment, we have 401ks and IRAs, we have all these type of different investment retirement vehicles. In Indonesia, there is no such thing. Everything is dependent on what you're going to receive as a family inheritance, like properties and income and things that produce wealth so it can take care of you during your retirement years. So I'm sitting with her having this conversation over coffee. And I learned a long time ago, even though in my heart I'm crying out, please choose Jesus. Please get baptized. Don't deny your faith. But I know with wisdom, I don't want to tell her what to do. I ask her, what are you going to do? What do you think you want to do? And she was distressed, you could tell, in this decision. But she looked at me square in the eye, and she said, Pastor Jason, that inheritance means nothing to me. Jesus means everything. When she got water baptized, she brought 16 people from community. Even her Hindu priest came, not just to watch her get water baptized, but to hear the gospel message proclaim how she is now a follower of Jesus. And let me tell you, that's the impact you can make by making a public declaration and saying, I'm all in, not just Half in. Can I get an amen? amen? Next slide. We have outreaches. Amen. That's my lovely wife. We are, we use English. You saw in the video, we're in different communities. We use English to really teach the kids, but we make sure we get permission from the local leaders of the community because it is illegal, it is a law, to proselytize someone out of their faith. So what we do is say, listen, we're going to teach it. We're going to teach English. We're up in front about it. We have a pamphlet, brochure, right? But we're going to use the Bible to teach some English and to teach character studies and all this stuff. And we make every parent sign so that if the government, which they can do, and sometimes they'll pop in, say, hey, what are you doing? We're like, listen, we were up front. Every parent signed. We got permission. We're just teaching them. Let me tell you. Good stuff. We have outreaches. We mean it's something we were doing uh, weekly or whatever it is. Those are um, food care packages, right? Eggs, rice, 
all that stuff. Next slide. Now, evangelism, I separate that because I think for me, evangelism, outreach is consistent. Evangelism is something you do maybe like twice a year. And so we do, you see a picture up here to the right, medical clinics. We, we get with some good Christian doctors we know. We go into the areas where we have our churches and we say, we're going to post a free medical clinic day where people come to get checkups and, uh, you know, all the stuff. We'll have basic vitamins and, you know, like Tylenol and ointments and creams. And, but what it is is that most people in Indonesia don't really have access to health care, right? So we are trying to be a benefit to the community, but every person who comes through, what we love is we assign someone with that person. From the beginning of checking in and registering all the way to the very end, there's someone there who's engaging them in conversation, just saying, hey, tell me about your life. Yeah, tell me what's going on. And they're connecting and it says, now let me tell you about my life. And they begin just to share their story of Christ. We have seen people, right, in these medical clinics we do, get supernaturally healed by the, by the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's still active, not just in Indonesia, but right here in America. But also, we have seen people get delivered from demonic strongholds. And let me tell you, and this was been, this is a great tool of doing evangelism. Also, there's a picture here of me on the island of Papua doing another crusade. Uh, Papua is mostly an um, animistic island where, you know, meaning old school, they worship the moon, the stars. And we saw some great things from that crusade that glorifies Jesus. Let me tell you something. I don't want to share stories so you can get, that's great, awesome. I want to let you know that the God we serve is more than enough than what we need. And if you're thinking, oh, God, I feel like, you know, uh, this, is, this is wrong and this is off, and we begin to focus so much on what we don't have, not realizing that when God died, he gave you and I everything we need to live this life victoriously here and now. I'm already preaching. I'm not trying to. I'm just want to let you know. Don't think like, oh, this is great. It's another Bible story. No, it's not. This is the God that wants to be made well-known in you and through you. Next slide. More pictures. Let's just say this. If I can leave you with one story. This baptism, another crusade. That was in Manado, which is northern part of Indonesia. God is good. God is great. And, you know, in our 10 years of being on the mission field in Southeast Asia, there's so many stories I would love to share with you. But if I can leave with you one, I'll share this. Last year, in 2023, while we're still in Indonesia, we did an open-air outdoor crusade on the island of Bali. Bali is an island that's known as uh, mostly Hindus. It's known as the island of the gods. Kid you not. And we're doing the proclamation, and we love it. And before I'm about to step up to preach at this open-air crusade, the prayer team comes to me, and they say, Pastor Jason, there's a family here who brought their 17-year-old son who was born deaf and mute, and they want you, meaning me, to pray. And I looked at this prayer leader, and I looked at her, and I said, listen, you already know you have the same authority and the same access to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You pray. 
Because I want, I want to, my team knows, hey, it's not just the anointed man or woman of God. God wants to use people like you and I because we are and should be the hands and feet of Jesus. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit is not meant for the people who are called in the office of a minister, but it's meant for like you and I. And then she looked at me and said, but Pastor Jason, we have. We've been praying for 40 minutes straight, and there's no breakthrough. They're just asking, can you pray for them? And I said, sure. I'm like, after I'm done preaching, doing the altar calls and everything else, I call the young man out, and we're going to believe God for a breakthrough. So after that, I go. I preach a simple message. Listen, when you do crusade, you should be 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be this long because a lot of people don't have Christian Judeo background. And I preach a very simple message. What, you know, what does a man profit if he gains the whole world, right, and loses his soul? Amazing salvations and healings. It was a beautiful time of God seeing Jesus being glorified in that moment. And at the end, I called this young man out. And as I called him out, I began to pray in front of the crowd for his healing from deafness and being mute since he was born. 17. Mom and dad are there. Nothing happens. And, you know, at Crusades, you, 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 you know, you can't pray these long, beautiful safety zone prayers. You're just, you just start speaking life in the name of Jesus. After 30 seconds or let's say a minute, nothing happened. I, I checked, hey, what's going on? How you feeling? What's, and then the, the son is just like shaking his head. And the mom and dad are like, no, he still can't hear. He still has this problem. And I asked the parents' permission. Can we pray? Can I pray one more time? And before I went to pray for the second time, I took 15 seconds, stepped back and said, Lord, what are you saying in this? And immediately I just heard the voice, the still small voice of the Holy Spirit say, generational curse. And I knew what I was dealing with was spiritual and not physical. And the minute I laid my hands on him. I said, I break this generational curse and G falls to the ground, flat like, like a two-bite, like stiff. <laughs> he was getting his deliverance. And at the end of the night, he was able to say his first words for and in the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The reason why, okay, and the great news is, the reason why I share this story on purpose is this. You would think with that awesome, powerful miracle that everyone had been like, I'm renouncing all I know and I'm just serving Jesus. The dad and the son said, that's what I'm doing. But the mom, she was like, I can't. Because she knew if she would have made Jesus her Lord and rejected the religion of her family and her community and basically her identity, she knew her family would have disowned her and kicked her out and she would have been dead. She would have lost her job. She would have lost everything that she thinks is near and dear to her. And this is what the enemy wants to do is make people, doesn't matter if it's right here across the street, we say Southern Jersey or in Delaware, right? I was there last night, right? Or across the ocean in countries like Indonesia, the enemy wants to make people spiritually 
deaf, dumb, and blind to the truth for the need of Jesus. And this is why missions is important. And this is why we have to keep doing the Great Commission. Because when you give and when you pray, and hopefully you're praying, you can make an impact right here, but also right there in countries like Indonesia. I want to say thank you, and I'm so glad we're doing faith promises. Listen, let it be done in faith. And let me tell you, that's where God blesses you. And blessing is not just about receiving material, physical things. That's a part of it. The word blessing in the classical Greek is makarios. Makarios means you are happy, content, fulfilled, whole, complete, basically blessed. And that's what God wants you to be. It's not just a blessing right here, but live the blessed life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. If you have your, oh, by the way, I forgot. Good things on the table. If you go out that door, we're talking about praying, right? We have prayer cards. This is my beautiful family. Pray for us. I mean it. Do you know the Bible is filled with just short, simple prayers? Sometimes we can make praying so complicated, which there are times we labor in prayer and we war. I get it. But your simple prayers of faith can make an impact. Pray for us, our family, our ministry, what we're doing. Amen. And also at our table, I brought back from Indonesia some really good coffee candy. How many people like coffee in this house? Come on. All right. Yeah. I love the, love the mother over here. She's like, me? Um, right? It's actually made in Indonesia. It's the number one selling coffee candy in the world. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Remember, it's a candy, but it's coffee. It's made from the coffee beans that are extracted from the volcano mountains of all 110 of Indonesia. Amen? So go to my table, visit it, grab a car, grab a coffee candy. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, well, it's almost 12 o'clock. Time goes fast when you're having fun. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Isaiah, and we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6. Oh, that's right. Kids, you are dismissed. Have fun. I want to thank, of course, this church and the staff for just hosting uh, me last night and allowing me to come and minister the word. I mean it. I'm glad to be a part of just trying to let the heartbeat of who Jesus is be real and alive. This is totally separate, totally off topic, but I just got this thought, and sometimes I feel like that's how God can work with us, right? He'll give you an impression. A thought. Have you ever wondered life when you can be in a room and you're observing the room and you see some people who are just like really experience the presence of God and there's other times you're like, how come I don't really sense that? Well, like, what's up? I, I, I don't get it. And the thought I had it reminded me of Jacob's ladder. So in the book of Genesis, there's a story about one of the patriarchs his name is Jacob, which was later turned to Israel. And when he was on the run 
from his brother, Ishmael. He was scared. He thought his family was going to come attack him, right? It says, when he went to lay down, I think it was the city of Bethel. I can't remember. But it said, when he lay down to go to sleep, what happened? He has a dream. And in this dream, which was more than a dream, it just wasn't like, oh, that's great. It was like he saw a staircase, an escalator that went from where he was to heaven, and he saw the angels of God, you know, descending and ascending. And the reason why I share that, that moment, I believe that God wants to make every person just in this church realize that the presence of God is usually closer than you can imagine. A lot of times it has to deal with us. We're the ones going. When Jacob woke up from the dream, he was like, oh, I didn't even know the presence of God was in this place. And there are times you're thinking, man, this is like Ichabod. Ichabod is a term in Old Testament saying, the glory of the Lord departed. No. Do you know the presence of God is nearer than what you can understand? That just came to my mind, Pastor. That is extra. I really believe someone or some bodies need to hear that today. And the title of my message from Isaiah, which you probably heard Isaiah 6 so many times, but I believe if there's a heartbeat that God wants us to walk away with, it's this. We have to come to a point where we as believers, where we have an awe of God. What does that mean? And all means you have a wonder saying, God, how are you going to move? I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Having an awe of God means you have a healthy fear of the Lord. Where it's called, I'm going to separate myself. Having an awe of God means you're going to honor him, esteem him. There's something beautiful about it. And I believe that God wants to remind us in this season, that we need to have an awe of God, believing that he is and can do all things, and he's waiting for people like you and I to say, God, start with me. Don't worry about everything that's going wrong around the nation or in the world, but start with me. And so if you have Isaiah 6, we're going to be reading the first few or several verses from verse 1 down to verse 8. <clears throat> and it reads as such. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4. And the posts of the door were shaking by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the thongs of the altar. And he touched 
my mouth with it and said, behold, wait, touched with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. Amen. That's like a foreshadow of like what Jesus did through the blood, the burning and the purging away of our sin. Verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Whom will go or who will go for us? Then I said, here I am. Send me. If you take a look at what's going on in our world today, it's obvious. You don't have to be smart in any way that you can tell how there are things that are just misaligned and our world could be in bad shape. We see how there are evil nations aligning with other evil nations. I'm glad to see how uh, right here through this church, you guys are supporting a ministry in Israel to feed the poor. Amen. We love that. And when you see all these things, you can begin to be consumed about what's wrong with our world and our generation and all the evil that's happening. And if you allow that to consume you, you're going to miss the point of what God is really wanting to do. Because what I learned when you read your Bible, that sometimes evil can set the stage for God to do an awakening, for God to bring a revival. And you're probably thinking, well, Jason, where are these awakenings happening? It is happening. Maybe you may not see it right here in your city, but if you look closely, it's happening all throughout the world. I can testify for Indonesia. It's little pockets. And the great thing is no one man or ministry or woman can take claim. It's like the Spirit of God is moving, and we're seeing it happening in different places and even right here in America. Do you know, if you even turn on the news, this main national news, on the campus of Texas A&M, there are people getting saved by the hundreds, right? Not, not just monthly and weekly, that they're now baptizing them in the water fountains of the university. That's also happening in the University of the state of Florida. The Gators, right? It's happening right now where people are coming and they're realizing, wow, I want something real. I want something genuine. And, what, and you begin to realize that within the church culture, there are many people who are trying to deconstruct, right? That's a big word that, you know, it can mean a lot to different people. But what they're trying to say is, you know what? I have seen some of the leaders within the world, within the government, within the church, and it feels like they're being hypocritical. I want something genuine. What is real? And let me tell you something. God is always real and always true, and he's looking to bring about that born-again truth experience through people like you and I. Yeah, amen? Let me ask. Let me define, not ask. What is a revival? It doesn't mean someone comes and preach a really good message where I feel like, whoo, I got goosebumps. That's not it. Come on. Revival is where something begins where people who are either asleep, meaning people in the church, or people who are spiritually dead within themselves, meaning the people who are not born again, begin to come alive and awake because God is moving and only God is the one that can bring an awakening. Yes, 
sometimes we see throughout church history, we see where there's a people who are praying and laboring. I love reading church history. We know in the 1800s, there was a famous speaker named Charles Spurgeon. And the story goes like this, that there was such revival happening that there were these three young men at a local theological seminary back then in Cambridge said, we want to go see what's going on in this church. So they went there for an evening service. They got there two hours early because God was moving so much. They want to make sure they got there in time. And when these three young men walked to the church, knocked on the door, this older gentleman opened the door, greeted them, and they said, hey, I know we're early, but we're here for the service. And this older gentleman says, well, let me show you around. So he takes them around to a church building, don't know how big it was, right? But said, let me show you this and that. And then he tells these three young men something very interesting. He says, hey, can I show you the boiler room, the furnace room? It was in the summer. And they were like, uh, okay, that's weird. But they agreed. They didn't want to, you know, they want to be polite. Like, sure, take us wherever you want to lead. And when he brought them down to the cellar, the furnace room, he opened it up. There were 700 people praying for God to move. In the summer, and everyone was stinky and, you know, and hot and smelly down there. And what I'm trying to bring that point is this, is that when we see a people who are desperate and hungry for God, our hunger and our desperation puts a demand on God's anointing to come and to bring a change, not just here, but even for your city. And so we see this. And what I love about the scriptures is this, is that in verse 1, we see how Isaiah said this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Why is that important? So most people don't know that the prophet Isaiah and the King Uzziah, they were first, they were love relatives, they were first cousins. And so... When he died, we don't know if he saw the Lord before he died or after he died. We just know it was in the same year. What I believe that's so true for us to walk away and take from this message is this, is that sometimes there are things we put our hope in. Maybe it's in the government. Maybe it's in the system. Maybe it's in finances. Whatever it is, sometimes those things need to be removed before we can truly see and experience who God is. Because God doesn't want to play second fiddle to anyone. He wants to be our number one in all who we are and all that we do. He doesn't want to just be the one we go to when we are in trouble, but he wants to be the one that we go to day in and day out because it's something called beautiful fellowship and communion with God. And back in the day, when a king died, that was important. You know why? Because for some nations, it was like a sign that says, we have no leadership, come and invade us. So I think there was a place, I'm reading to the scriptures now, but there was probably a place of desperation where Isaiah was like, God, I need you. But 
If you allow the Lord to remove those things, we'll become desperate and takes away the false sense of security we have in some of these systems. Let me tell you, that's the best place of where we can prostrate ourselves. Do you know Jesus said this? I'm going to read the scripture verse in John chapter 12. As a born-again disciple of Jesus, I mean, disciplined learner, where we're like, God, I'm going to walk this out day in and day out. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Trust me. When I gave my life to Christ many, many moons ago, um, you know, I was one of those people. And I'm so glad that he worked in it and through me. But the Bible says that if you want to live life, you have to learn how to lose your life. And Jesus said this in John chapter 12, verse 24. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Verse 25, whoever loves his life loses it, but whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servants be also. If anyone serves me, the Father, meaning God, will honor him. God's saying that we have to learn to live a life completely surrendered, not when it's just convenient or not just when we feel like it, but saying, God, here I am. So what are some things in your life that you need to allow to die before you can see the Lord? I believe sometimes it can be doubt. God, are you really going to do? Can you really do what you said you're going to do? God, we begin to allow the doubt and the issues of this world to begin to consume our mind versus allowing what is true to be the thing that thrives us and leads us into him so he can be our everything. Sometimes apathy. Well, because we're not pressing in and we're not communion with him, we allow the numbness of the things of this world to numb our heart and mind, and we begin to allow the other things to engage us. Let me tell you something. When I was living in Indonesia, I had Indonesians coming to me, and they were saying, what is wrong with your nation? When they saw the craziness that was happening in the political realm here with the voting and the presidency and the, and the riots, and they were like, what is wrong with your nation? Because many people in Indonesia looked, past tense, to America as a nation that would lead and strength and, and somewhat unity, even though we're diverse. And now they're saying, whoa, we, we want no part of that. And I want you to know that God is saying, don't allow the other things in this world to take away your all for him. Just because you've been sick for a long time, it doesn't mean that God does not desire and it's his will to see us healed. Just because you've been living in a place where you're feeling so depressed, you can't allow, even if you've been clinically diagnosed with depression, don't allow that fact to supersede the truth. Because I'll tell you, everything that's a fact may not always be true. Can I get an amen on that one? To the Lord, not for me. Because the Bible declares in Isaiah 61 that for those people who are rude, he's saying, listen, I'm going to comfort all who grieve in Zion. 
I'm going to give you a crown of joy instead of ashes. I'm going to give you the oil of gladness instead of despair. I'm going to give you a garment of praise instead of a garment of heaviness. And if you realize, God, allow the truth of what you spoke to be my truth. Little by little, you see what the facts are in your life. You're saying, God, I'm not going to magnify the facts, but I'm going to magnify and glorify what is true until I see it become a reality in my life and in your life because that's what God does today. And he wants to do it in your life. I'm I'm not trying to be a cheerleader, but I want you to see the goodness of who God is because he is good. And we forget that. I love the, I love the, I guess you could say, the word you guys picked for the church, Salem First Assembly, hope. Do you remember what it was like not to live without hope? I got saved in 99 when I was living up north in Jersey. Oh, I remember. But do you remember? Have you forgotten what it was like to be without hope? I don't even So many years later, I still remember. And there are people around you who actually don't have the hope that they're looking for. And and they're looking for something genuine. And you are the ones that can be that light to them. But sometimes we have to learn how to rearrange ourselves and align ourselves with who God is and convince ourselves and allow the truth of the Holy Spirit and his power and his grace and his goodness and his holiness and all that who he is to be In us, through us, and for us. And then in verse 3, we see how we have the angels crying, holy, holy, holy. I love, they're calling out to one another saying, the whole earth is full of his glory. When you have an all God, it causes you to worship. Let me define worship. Worship is not singing songs. That's a part of it. That's, that's a spiritual discipline of rendering God worships, songs, our thoughts, and yes. But the true essence of worship is what? Your life. This is why in Romans chapter 12 it says, listen, present, it says, present your body. Listen, your bodies are a living, you are a living sacrifice. And that's what God wants us to present. It's who we are, how we live, and worship is not just a song you sing. Worship is the life you live for Christ here and now. There's no such thing as retirement. Well, you know, my friend, that's good for you, Jason. I'm glad. But you don't know. I I pay my dues. I did my time. No! You have an impact. When I first got saved, I'll never forget this. I was sending a church in, it's called Metuchen Assembly God, which is in Jersey, but it's Metuchen is so small, it's like Edison. It was amazing. But when I went to this church, this church was a bunch of, let's just say, senior individuals. I was one of the young adults in the church. And I never forget that as a young Christian, I was hungry for truth. And I didn't care how old you were. If you would have taken the time to sit with me and talk with me, I was like a sponge. I'm like, tell me everything. Because you know why? Jesus is timeless. 
and there's so much wisdom that can be shared to the next generation, and we are hungry for that truth. This is why a lot of people are saying, I said it earlier, oh, I'm deconstructing, yeah, yeah. Listen, don't worry about those things. Start spending time and sharing that truth. And we see the angels worshiping. And I'm going to tell you something. Everyone in this world, Christian or not, they are worshiping something, someone. Because worship is whatever you devote your time and effort and energy to. And maybe you might have people who are devoting their time to pursuing finances or work, or maybe they're womanizers, or maybe they're so addicted to get that high. Whatever it is, we are all called to worship something. I have a pastor friend in Florida, and I won't mention the name, but there's a, let's just say, a famous music artist where he sells out venues, not Christian. And because his mom and this music artist's mom were great friends, they were invited to come to a show. And so they got the VIP backstage access where when this person was doing their, their show, right, what happened? is they were able to see everything from the angle. And then this mom, so pastor friends around my age, right, uh, the mom said, hey, you see what's happening? What do you, I know you're a Christian now, but what do you think about everyone, the way they are just like, like just screaming and yelling and, you know, throwing themselves off like, ah, at this music concert towards this artist and the songs. And then this, mother of this artist who's well-known, I won't say the name, thought about it and said, it does remind me that we are all created to worship something. Unfortunately, there are people who are just worshiping the wrong thing. And so what I want to call your attention to is this. There are things that God wants us to get rid of. We can allow, what are the things that we can allow to become an idol in our life. Because a lot of those times, the things we worship are or can be an idol. I'll tell you a thing right now. I saw it earlier in this presentation. He said, cable, it's entertainment. Whatever, whatever kind of lets you kind of numb out and enjoy, if it's, I don't know, soap operas, I don't know what they call it now, right? Whatever it is, right, soap operas, maybe it's sports, maybe it's movies. Let me tell you something. You don't realize... But those things are prophesying into your life because if you're consuming so much of your time in that way, it is speaking to you and through you. Sometimes we can allow to be a night on our lives. Social media, we're always on social media. Do you know they did a recent study? And it said an average person, average, in North America, touches their phone, you know, like, you know, text or whatever, you know, 2,500 times a day, interaction. What I mean by that? So if you text the letter A, that's one interaction. You get it? So you're spelling something, right? But 2,500 times. I'm checking. I'm this. I'm that. I'm scrolling. I'm the 20. Let me tell you, social media can also be in our lives. Maybe it's finances. Maybe you want more stuff. What's so amazing, Pastor Brian, when I'm in Indonesia, I'm usually just floored because there are people who have nothing. They live in these villages. Now, we have ministries in the cities, amen, where we have people who are affluent and well-to-do. And then we have ministries that are in, like, we say the Desa. Desa would be like the boonies. There we go. 
and they're worshiping God. Tears are flowing from their eyes, and physically, they have nothing. And I believe in America, not just America, around the world, we have allowed the enemy to lie to us just like he lied to Adam and Eve back in the garden. Let me explain. Adam and Eve had everything, Pastor. They had all their needs met. They had responsibility. They had authority. And more than that, they walked with God. I want to know what that, what that really looked like. I would love to be there. And even though they had everything, that dumb, deceiving spirit said, hey, what you don't have is what you really need. And so we have bought into this consumerism in America and around the world. Amazon clicks. I get it. I want it. I want to feel happy. I want to, I want to hit a dopamine. Give me more, more, more. And so we have bought this lie that if you have $1 in America, then $2 is better. If you could take one vacation a year, then two vacations is better. If you can have, you know, one car, then two cars is better. And we don't realize that more stuff doesn't make us happy. It has to be who Christ is and how he will fulfill us no matter where you are. Economically or in the social status, God wants to be our everything. And he wants us to have an awe of him again and again. What else can we allow to be an idol in our lives? Our attitudes. Woo, come on now. Our attitudes towards family. Listen, as a pastor, because I do pastoring as well. I see so many people who are holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness because of what, listen, I get it. I'm not trying to minimize the hurt you went through, but we have allowed that to become an idol in our lives where we're just so engrossed in that pain and bitterness and we can never allow. How about our attitudes towards our leaders? Ha! I know being in the ministry for a while, I'm sure Pastor Brian has also faced this. You know, they'll start to tell you, like, what you're doing wrong, what you should do better, and now the attitudes against the leaders, all just negative. You know, how about our attitude towards God? We can allow our attitude become an idol in our lives, saying, God, where were you? I prayed once. Am I hitting something here? Or I prayed twice. What else can become an idol, an idol in our lives? Our brokenness. I want to be careful here because there are people who were truly victims. And I believe those people need to be heard and helped. But in today's society, it feels like everyone wants the ID tag of a victim. When I was preaching in Rhode Island up north, there was a lady who came forward after my message and she said, hey, can you pray for me? I need physical healing in my body. She was about 70-so years old. And she started going on this list. Like, this list would not stop. So I said, got it, enough. Can I be real with you? Two reasons I told her to stop. One, it was starting to affect my faith. Because the second thought I had was like, how are you alive? You know what I'm saying? Can I be real? Right? <laughs> told her to stop. I got it. And I said, you know what? Before we pray for, for healing, let's just take like 30 seconds to hear what, the whole, what God 
wants to say in this situation. And as I stepped back, I heard the voice of the Lord clearly. This doesn't happen often like when he says this, but this was real. He said, unforgiveness. So I looked at her and I said, listen, you got to learn how to respect the people who are elderly. So I call her mother. I'm like, mother, I want to ask you a question. Are you dealing with and holding on to unforgiveness? Immediately. She began tearing up and crying. And right there in the altar, I took the, the ultimate issue, five minutes just to kind of work, work through that, you know, telling her like, hey, what happened and what they did wasn't right, but you have to learn how to release and forgive because if you don't, the Bible says you'll never receive your healing and the ultimate healing we're going to receive is salvation in heaven with the Lord, the forgiveness. Very clear, Matthew 10, Jesus said, if you can't forgive the brother you do see, guess what? Neither will your father in heaven forgive you. And her adult daughters came to support her in prayer. And we went through it. And then I said, God bless, you know, she released, uh, renounced just holding on to that. It's a spirit of unforgiveness. Because when you hold it on, if you have a season of unforgiveness, I get it. You're working through it. But if it's been years, it's called a lifestyle. And now the lifestyle is a stronghold. And so I think I said, she said, I'm releasing. You could tell the healing was there. I just felt the presence of God so strong. And I started to walk away. She said, wait, can you pray for my healing? <laughs> and I said, okay, to make it official, be healed in Jesus' name. Because I knew already a lot of those issues were rooted because of that bitterness and unforgiveness. A week and a half later, her adult daughters contact me through Facebook. And then says, hey, remember praying for my mom? Do you remember what happened this church, that church? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I remember. They were like, she went back to, you understand, she was going to the hospital weekly and month, weekly for five years to figure out what is wrong with her. And then monthly, she would get the scans and the blood work and all the tests to figure, she was a guinea pig. The doctors didn't know to so say, try this. Now try that for five years. And they were like, guess what? The results came back. 90% of all her sicknesses and illnesses are gone in Jesus' name. Why are we allowing our brokenness and our hurts to stop us from experiencing the awe of God? He wants us to know and see. Because remember, he is more than just our savior. He is our healer. He is our deliverer. He is the one that comforts us. He is the one that protects us. He is our everything. We have to remember that all things, let me say it again, all things are possible in God, with God, and through God. Not just some things. Mark 11, which is one of my favorite verses. I love teaching our new believers. Mark 11, verse 22 to 24, it says, listen, it says, have the faith of God. And if you do not doubt, you can tell that mountain to be cast in the sea, and whatever you ask and whatever you wish will be given to you. You got to understand that there is no limitations with God. A lot of times the limitation starts with us. And God wants to remind us to have an awe of him and to never forget who he is. It's 1122. So I'm going to skip a lot of my message and go right to the end.
I'm going to get there in a minute. Let me do this first. You know, it's funny because I love, I'm, I know you might think I'm strange, but I like to do research. I like to read. What, listen, I grew up in your public school systems. Ha, ha, ha. Never liked reading. Trust me. But then when I went to my theological seminary, I had to read these old 1800 books, Ye Shall Dee, and I'm like, Lord, help me. And because of my time of going to Bible college and studying, I learned become a reader. What's interesting is this. Do you know in the scientific community, they are baffled. They cannot wrap their heads of why caterpillars, some of them, refuse to go, to the met, go through the metamorphosis process to become what? A butterfly. Because they know that every caterpillar already built in the genetic code and DNA, they all have the potential to become a butterfly. But guess what? Some of those caterpillars refuse to stop crawling on their bellies and just going to life like a little worm. And I believe that's what happens with us in the Christian community. We forget that God paid the price for us to live victoriously. And we go around this life thinking, well, God, where are you? And it's so hard. And we begin to focus on the things that has just hurt us, neglected us. Do you know when Jesus died for you? He died for the full transformation of your life. Do you know the word salvation? When you read things in the Bible, it says, you heard it long ago, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, you heard it long ago, once upon a time, that I will send my salvation, that I will send my day of favor. And then beautifully, God uses, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, but I tell you now, is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. The word salvation comes from the classical Greek word sozo, soterian, which means this. When you come to the salvation of being born again, you are forgiven, you are healed, you are delivered, deliverance from any demonic strongholds, and you have his wholeness. And so God wants to remind you that today we need to have in all of him and to walk out the fullness of what he paid for, to be fully forgiven, healed, delivered, and made whole because that's what he did for you and for me. Come on. Verse 8. This, this is going to be the driving home. Sorry, in Indonesia, I usually preach like an hour. Here we go. Here we go. I won't keep you any longer. I love this verse because we can't complete this without reading this verse. Verse 8 says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? This is us. This is funny. It tells you the Trinity, God the Father. Who will go for us? The Son, the Holy Spirit. And then Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. There's a part of Christianity of being a born-again believer, that if you don't walk that out, you're never going to walk in the fulfilled promises that God has for you and I as believers. What I mean by that, today when it's in a generation, it's always about me, 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 me. Come on. Can I be real? 
Do I have any parents in the room? You have kids? Listen, <laughs> my kids just had like a one-week school vacation recently, and it's always like, well, me and me, I'm born and me and me. I'm like, oh, my goodness, leave me alone, right? You know, it's always about me. But God's saying that he has called us not to do some inner reach, which is important. I believe that we need to get our healing. We have to walk it out. But it's an outward reach. We are such a selfie generation where people love to label themselves. And the reason why you never full, uh, find the fulfillment God has for you until you go out. And what does that look like? Going out. Say, here I am. Send me. For some of you, it might be sending your sons and daughters to serve full-time in the ministry or in missions. For others, it's going to be, I'm going to give my finances, and I'm going to serve faithfully and give in a way that it's going to be sacrificial. That's the word he used, in faith. But for everyone, we are all called to go out and share. You know, living in Indonesia, we don't have Christmas trees. Shocker, right? So we brought one over from America, the one that pops out of box. I don't like it. I grew up with like a real tree. Anyway, so being back in the States, we get a, get a tree. We love it. It's awesome. We put water in it. And of course, what I do the first time is I put a little bit of sugar with the water to make sure it works the first time. So, but we keep pouring fresh water into, I guess, the base of it. And what I noticed is even though I was pouring fresh water into this tree, the water in there started to kind of I don't know, ferment. It would get like this stinky smell and it was a little bit of like brownish floaties. Not a lot, just a little. And what I took away from that, remember, I've been away from the States for a while. No, or we, we've been serving on the field, we say 10 years now, right? But coming back, I'm like, this is gross. And what I believe is this, is that as Christians, we are not called to just allow the, the, the living waters of Christ to flow in us. Because if we only have water flowing in and no water flowing out, guess what? You become a cesspool. And that's what happened to my Christmas tree. And sometimes God's saying, who is going to go for me? Who are the ones that are going to share this life-giving, changing faith? Who's the one that says, like, look, look who I used to be. I'm not that person anymore. And today this is where I am. And I can't wait to continue to be more like Christ, because your words are impactful, and you have spheres of influence I would never be able to reach. Your pastor would never be able to reach. You're in schools, workplaces, whatever you have your spheres of influence, God has called you to be faithful because he wants to see his goodness glorified through you, even in our own brokenness. The Bible says that we are like these Jars of clay that have cracks and how the beauty of God shines through those cracks. And if anyone knows you've been married for a while, yeah, your spouses have issues. Come on, right? We're not perfect. <laughs> I, I got to aim. I got to chuckle. I love that. Um, but I want to share this with you today, church. Are you all in? Are you ready to bring back of having a beautiful, holy awe of God? Do you want to see 
change happen, not just in your life, not just in your family, but in your communities, your church, where you work, where you socialize? Do you want, do you have a desperation? Where are you with your time in God? You're in a place like, God, I'm all set. You're like, God, listen, here I am. Do a work. Let me see you for who you are. But on top of that, send me. Let's stand. And let me tell you something. <laughs> what I love about the ministry of Isaiah, God says right afterwards, oh, ministry is going to be hard. Get ready. I'm going to send you to people who have ears, but they're never going to listen. They're going to have eyes, but they're not going to see. They may have minds. They're not going to perceive. I want to let you know that if you're making a decision today saying, God, I am all in, and I want all of you, and I'm surrendering myself, and I'm done, God, do a new thing. Let the all of God be real in my life. Let me come back to a place of where I was when I was just always reading the word, worshiping, praying, growing, asking. And if that's you, just want you to know, you might see some resistance. It's okay. It's actually a good thing. You know what that means? You're doing the right thing. And you're saying, Pastor Jason, I want to get back to the basics and having a beautiful, healthy Love, a healthy fear, a healthy wonder, and awe of God. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand where you are. Don't fake it. Good. I see that. See the hand. Listen, if it's not you, don't raise your hand at all. Because God knows our hearts, and he's like, if you're all in, I'm with you. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, Pastor Jason, you know what? I want to be more than all in. I'm willing to give my life. And I want to give my life for the, the to not the, the office of a minister. We need you in the workplaces. Trust me. Be like, I want to be like Isaiah. Here I am. Send me. If you want to be one that's sent of God on a mission, you're like, God, here I am. Send me. Raise your hands. Amen. Amen. God sees you. This is the day where you're saying, I'm going to make that change. It's a cold-minded decision. You don't need to have all these goosebumps. I feel has to be like, I'm in. That's it. Cold-minded. And let me tell you, when you're all in like that, God will send what you need to continue to see and feel and experience his glory. Amen? Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you so much that you are breathing life throughout this world, that you are having awakenings and revivals in nations, in cities of people who don't know you. God, I thank you that even right here, where we are in South Jersey, that Father, you see a people, a remnant that says, I want everything you have for me. I am all in. I want to have an all of God. God, I pray you help these individuals to learn how to make adjustments and changes in their lives, to remove any of the idols that may be standing away between you and them. Father, I pray you send your Holy Spirit 
and let your Holy Spirit consume them wherever they are. Father, we come against every demonic spiritual attack. God, I thank you they have no authority and no place in Jesus' name. Father, your word declares in Revelation chapter 13, it says that day the church, the saints, overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And today our testimony says, I am healed, I am forgiven, I am saved, I am delivered, and for some of us who raise our hand, I am called and I'm going out and send me. Father, I pray you would give them influence in the marketplace. Give them influence in their families. God, give them a grace that when they speak, their words attract people. Father, let them be the healing agents of change where they are. Father, I pray for your glory to fall. I pray for your goodness to come. And I pray they will see you for who you are and send us. Use us. Like that song from the 90s, if you can use anything, Lord, use me. And I thank you, God, that you would do a great thing. And I pray, God, you would increase every person in this place in you, in Jesus' mighty name. And we all pray and say, amen. amen. God bless you. Love you guys. More than that, God loves you, and he believes in you.